says, God is faithful, but the church is not the building. The church is not the building. We are the church. And I want to make that clear today as, as we kind of go back in time. So we're going to go from a nice pretty blue to a kind of shade of gray. We're going to be reminiscent of some things, and we're going to consider the world has been going through hard times. Think about all that's been happening in the world today. Just, just look in the news for the last few days, few months, few years You can consider the hard times the world has been through, and you can wonder how in the world do they do it without Christ? But as I consider that the world's been going through hard times, I believe it's been going through hard times since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. Ever since that day, that day when in man, in his own ignorance and his own pride, stepped forth and and went against the will of God, Ever since that day when Adam fell into sin and therefore led all his descendants into sin, the world's been going through some hard times. But since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, I think we also have to recognize that God's people have been going through hard times as well. We are God's people of today. We're we're a local church manifestation of the body of Christ, Merrimack Valley Baptist Church. And we're celebrating the fact that we have been here for 40 years. But the church is much, much older. The church has been around not since Adam and Eve in the garden, but as God's people for today, we can can connect and remember God's people of the past. So the fact that the world's been going through hard times, that's the bad news. And that's what we have to recognize as we walk out of these doors on any given day, as we walk out the doors of our front of our home and into, the, into our workplace or into the community at large, there's a lot of hard times coming. But praise God, the bad news only makes the good news joyful. When we can come together in the midst of all the hard times that we are going through now and that we've gone through in our lives, we can come together and we can sing songs like we've sung today. And like we will continue to sing at the end as, as we think of, of the joyfulness of the salvation that we have in Christ and in Him alone. Now, Joel mentioned that the church is to storm the gates of hell and praise God that he brought that up. But he also mentioned that there may even be one here or watching us online that does not know the peace that transcends understanding. That peace that enables people to get through the bad days, the hard times. That peace that comes only because people understand the good news of the gospel. If you're one of those people today, again, we thank you for coming. I believe it's God that led you here or led you to our website where you can, can join us or the YouTube channel. Whatever it is, however you found us, we want to express to you as a church family that's been around for 40 years preaching the gospel that it's a joyful thing to be a child of God. When we're going through hard times, which, by the way, this is when I was going to mention uh, the one prayer request that I knew of uh, with George and Marilyn, uh, knowing about the, uh, finding out about the, the death of their grandchild. My understanding is their grandchild is a believer in Jesus Christ. So he is no longer hindered by a brain tumor. He's no longer 
uh, going through medical procedures, and he's no longer wondering when will be the day, because today is the day. And I'm thinking to myself, there are plenty of people probably in this room or joining us online that are going through hard times. I was sharing with a sister in Christ who, uh, that, that that's, some things are going on in my life right now that I, you know, I kind of wonder, Lord, what, what are you, why are you allowing this sense, why this feeling that I have? And I talked to the staff about it, and, and I'm just like, why, why is that going on? And I, I hope one day I'm going to be able to stand here and say, that's the reason God allowed me to experience some of what I've been experiencing, this, this sense of, Mm, uh, uncertainty, not of my salvation, but of the, of the moment. Like, why, why are my emotions right under the skin for over a month now? And I'm like, God, why? And, and, and this is where I take my comfort. God is sovereign. And although I've never experienced what I have been experiencing for the last month or so, I know it's for my good. And I know God sits on the throne. And it may be just that little taste of a hard time that I need to be able to preach to a group of people who might also be going through some hard times. Or maybe to that one who is in the hardest time of their life. In the hard times, we need wisdom, don't we? We need to ask God for that, that Lord, there's, there's no worldly sense of why I am in here and why I need to make this decision, but I need to make this decision, and God, I pray for your wisdom. When we're going through hard times, we often need strength. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm literally on my last thread. I'm, I'm, I've been holding on a long time, Lord. I've been holding on a long time. I've been waiting to see you work. I've been waiting and wondering, and, and I'm concerned that maybe you've forgotten me, God. But in one more desperate plea, in one last desperate plea, I pray, would you give me strength? In the hard times, we need direction. Do I go this way or do I go this way? I don't know, Lord. This one has consequences. But God, you know, so does this one. What am I supposed to do? In the hard times, we need encouragement. Praise God for people with the gift of encouragement, the Barnabases of this world, the ones who come alongside and put their arm around you and, and encourage you and let you know that as we sang earlier, no matter what happens, they're not leaving your side. Because they represent the God who stays. God is the one who works in and through us and the lives of others to bring encouragement. When we're going through hard times, we need rest, don't we? That wasn't for our moms with little ones, all right? That's just, just talking about hard times of, this is the hard times of life, but moms certainly get some rest, all right? This is talking about those, those times in your life where you, you literally can't get up. You may be in bed and you just, I can't get up. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm whatever it might be. God, I need the rest that only you provide. We sang about that rest when we sang, there is a morning. In the hard times, we might need forgiveness. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one that is actually 
step forth into the life of another and, and hurt someone. And maybe that's come to your realization and, and you're like, you know, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness from God, but I need forgiveness from, from those that I sinned against. That's a hard day. That's a hard time. Knowing that you, in, your, in, in the enactment of your own sin, you've actually impacted another's life. You need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you're that person this morning that is realizing that all these are true of you at different times in your life, and you've never, you've never come to the point of asking God for forgiveness for all the sins that you've committed. We're celebrating 40 years of God's faithfulness. But he's not just faithful to bring us together so we can fellowship together and be joyously singing with one another and and escape the world for an hour or so each week and, and come and be encouraged by his word, be challenged by his word, find the rest. Because, but maybe you're that person that realizes I've I've never done any of that. I am one who has never come to God and say, God, I'm a sinner, and I need salvation. I need forgiveness. I don't know what this rest is, but I'm told, in, uh, people are telling me that this rest lasts for eternity. Uh, I'm told that there's encouragement in the fellowship, and I want to be part of that fellowship. I'm, ta- I'm told that your word gives wisdom, strength, and direction. God, I want that. If you're going through hard times and you realize you need God, you've come to the right place. If you're here from another church that's faithful to the gospel, sharing the good news that that God can change everything, then that's the right place for you to be too. And there are people that will come into that church and they will be asking the same questions. How do I get through these hard times? Why pick on hard times as we talk about an anniversary Sunday? I don't know. It's <laughs> just where I felt God leading me. Forty years of faithfulness, and you consider the life and times of the, those uh, who, who constitute Merrimack Valley Baptist Church for the last 40 years. You have been through some hard times that I was not here to experience with you. But God was. And as we look to the future, which will be next week, and I didn't mention it, but remember, next week is Vision Sunday, so we'll, be, we'll kind of be looking forward. And, and, uh, and so I don't forget, there is an information meeting at the end of that uh, service about the school. Uh, wonderful. Be, by the way, we can celebrate uh, uh, South, uh, South Merrimack Christian Academy. We can celebrate IBM Global and for all that God has done because they're part of that 40-year history. And we'll, we'll look at SMCA next week. But listen, as we go through this, you may... You may be going through a hard time that I haven't listed. And as we prep the ground to look forward, let's remember what God has done in the past. So the big idea for today is that God sustains his people through his presence. You may have heard me say this before in some fashion, because this is one of the truths of Scripture that has gotten me through. To know that I'm not dependent on anyone else but God. But praise God, he sends his people so I can depend on them. And they can depend on me. But it's all God. 
in and through us. God sustains his people through his presence. He always has and he always will. But I want to just consider in our afternoon service, we're going to show a slideshow that will uh, cause some of you to remember. Some of you were here when the church started and you're going to see these photos and you're going to be all teary-eyed and emotional and and you're going to be like, oh my word, I remember. I'm surprised the building didn't fall when we did that. Wait till you see that slide, all right? But, but thankfully, thankfully, all right, there were good engineers amongst you, and, 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 and we're here. And, and the chapel is stable as you put in the fellowship hall underneath. You folks are crazy, all right? So, no, no, they're great pictures, right? You may remember that, and you may be like, yeah, God did that. But for many of us, maybe most of us, we're going to look at some of these photos, and we're just going to be all, we have to just reflect. We were not there. You ever gone to somebody's house and, and watch their home movies? Quickest way to a nap, right? Watching somebody else's movie as they're like, oh, and you're like, whatever, right? I hope that's not what you experienced today. A lot of time and effort went into the slideshow, and you're going to enjoy it. It's just, but it's, it's, we're going to, most of us will be reflecting on what God has done for the last 40 years. So let's reflect this morning on how God has sustained his people through his presence, okay? We're going we're gonna to hit a number of stories today. I like doing this, by the way. I like special events where we can kind of take the Bible in a, in a bigger fashion and, and kind of see God throughout the scriptures and, and not just in one particular text. Uh, let, let's just reflect on how God has sustained his people. Remember, we're his people today, but he has had people since creation began. So when God... Uh, made his presence known. That's the statement. When God made his presence known to Adam and Eve, they hid. Remember that scene? It happens in Genesis. Uh, that shouldn't be, uh, that should not be Genesis 32. I made a mistake on another slide. All right, so just ignore that. Ignore the man behind the curtain. Ignore that scripture reference. It's Genesis 3 8. All right, I corrected the wrong slide. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We know this. God created. Everything was good. He created a man and woman. They was very good. And on the seventh day, he rested, and, and he fellowshiped with Adam and Eve in the garden. And they, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. This wasn't the first game of hide-and-seek. This was not fun Sin had entered into Adam and Eve's life, and they knew they could not rightly stand before a holy, righteous God. And they hid from him. As we reflect on, on, on this aspect, when, when, when God made his presence known, this hiding, right, this hiding, this may reflect us in the moment or back in the day. It certainly reflects me. I was hiding in church. Where, where were you hiding before you came to know Christ? I was hiding amongst those people who, who thought they were right with God because of being in the building and practicing the things that happen within a church. And, and so I hid. And I hid for about 18 years of my life inside the walls of a church until I found Christ. And I realized I don't need to hide anymore. Because when Adam and Eve hid, they learned that God deals graciously with sinners. 
we sang a song, and we, we've been singing it more and more. And, and I, I hope you like it as much as I do, but there is a morning where everything changed. And mine was the afternoon when everything changed for me. But the morning that we're speaking of is the morning that, that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And the grace of God that was bestowed, that was, that was really given to Adam and Eve in the garden, they were not snuffed out. God worked his plan of salvation and through one of their descendants, Jesus Christ, true forgiveness, true salvation could be had. And, and so they understood that God deals graciously with sinners and that's what we need to understand in our lives as well and we need to help others understand. Let's look at what happened when, jo- when Jacob uh, experienced God's presence. He grabbed hold. I love this story of Jacob. Jacob is on his way he knows he's going to meet his brother Esau. He knows it's a scary time. And, and he doesn't know. He left his brother. He left his brother and, 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 and in a, a despicable way, a scandalous way. And after from years of being away, he's on his way back. And he sends gifts ahead of him. And he separates his family into two groups so that if one gets snuffed out, the other will be okay because they can run. And as he separated them, he got off to be alone and he encountered a man. Let's look at this. This man, this is the, the, the right reference, Genesis 32, 26. Jacob's, uh, uh, the man that J- Jacob encountered as they wrestled, he said, they wrestled all night and and. And the man said, let me go for the day breaks. But notice this, he is Jacob. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go. Believers, are you on the brink? Are you on that last thread? Have you wrestled with God and you're just like, are you holding on are you grabbing hold? Because it's when God made his presence known to Jacob, Jacob had been through some hard times. And Jacob was in the will of God right at that very moment where he was at. He was, and, and he realized, I will never have this opportunity again. I am not going to let go. So he grabbed hold of what we believe is a, a pre-incarnate visit by Jesus Christ. If you want more information about that, come talk to me. But he, Jesus said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What Jacob learned is that God blesses those who relentlessly pursue him. The Christian life was never meant to be an easy life. Never. That's prosperity gospel talk. That's lies. The Christian life is one of hardship. Christian life is one where as you look more and more like Jesus, you're loved less and less by the world. We have to understand this truth. God blesses those who relentlessly pursue him. That's a challenge. That's one of the challenges that you can apply to yourself today because I don't know where you are. If you're on the brink, get your focus on the right person, Jesus Christ. Grab hold and ask him to bless you because he will, re- he will bless those who relentlessly, that, that idea, don't give up. 
It's not that you can lose your salvation. Don't, don't live a defeated Christian life. Something has power over you? Grab hold. Let's talk about how God made his presence known to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that story. Many, many people around even church don't even know the Bible. They know the fiery furnace story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they rested when they experienced God. It's a glorious thing when we can counter this. Shad- uh, this is a little bit longer uh, slide, but just, three, just a few verses. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to king, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Oh my word, what faith. What grabbing hold they have. We're talking about when his presence came in, they rested. Well, how did they rest? They didn't kick their feet up. They took confidence. That's the idea here. It says, if that be the case, our God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, notice this restfulness, this confidence. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set apart. Uh, then goes to verse 25. Look, he answered, I see four men. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking as he peers into the fiery furnace. He says, listen, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. When hard times come and God manifests himself, now granted folks, we are not going to, we're, we're not going to experience God's direct intervention in our life to 99.9%, right? It's not going to happen where God shows up and, and, and tells you exactly like it's going to be. I'm not saying he can't do that. So that's why I'm going to leave. Let's put 99.9999999999. Right? Because I'm just saying that God can do what God wants to do. But listen, we can only reflect on what has happened in the past. And here are these three men who are part of the people of God, not just Israel. Yeah, we can talk about Israel, but I'm talking about there are these circumstances that they went through, but there are many stories I'm not encountering, I'm not uh, reflecting on. I'm not reflecting upon Joshua, who, who experiences the angel of the Lord, and, 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 and who also, we also believe is a pre-incarnate uh, uh, visit by Jesus Christ to Joshua. He said, be strong and good courage, right? He's like, he, God promises his presence. And these men understood it, and they... And they, they were such, it was manifested to an unbeliever. Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four men. But remember, but if not, let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods. They were f- men of faith, as we are called to be people of faith. Nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. What gold image has your attention? What shiny thing has drawn you away from the rightful place of God on the throne of your life and heart? What is it that is somehow a stumbling block to you and and you are not able to be like these men and rest in the beauty of God's holiness, rest in the peace that transcends understanding, rest in the confidence that God delivers? Because this is what they discovered. They learned that God delivers through the harshest 
circumstances. I don't know about you, but I've, I've walked through some of the harshest circumstances of people's lives. And you like to think that as a pastor, you know, as clergy, whatever, you like to think that those people, they come alongside and they, and they bring that special thing. And, and they do. They bring the Word of God. They bring the Spirit of God. But more than ever, I would say I'm batting a thousand percent if I can do it that way. I am blessed more than the people that I'm ministering to. Because when believers go through hard times, when they're going through the harshest of times, they, they don't need me, but God uses me in their life, but he uses them in my life because God is already on the scene in them and God is sustaining them and delivering them through the harshest of times. Maybe you're going through one of those times. God delivers. When God made his presence known to Mary and Joseph, they trusted. I just have a couple uh, slides here. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, this wasn't a direct visit by God, but it was his messenger. But listen, look at those words of faith. I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And the angel says, you are, going to be, uh, you are going to be pregnant with the child, the son of God. And she says, let it be to me according to your word. Ladies, I ask you this morning how much faith that took. For a teenager to speak those words in a world that would label her that would profane her, that would maybe even bring physical harm. I have no idea what Mary went through, but I will say this. They didn't go to her for counsel, more than likely. They probably talked behind her back. That is a lady of faith. What about Joseph? Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Think about that, men. He was willing to identify with someone who had a scandalous present. We're not talking about a scandalous past. Throughout Scripture, God has has, has brought the scandalous, has used the scandalous things of the world to glorify him. Mary was innocent. Joseph was innocent. But oh, they had to overcome all kinds of harshness of circumstances, some hard times. But they responded in faith. And so when we think about when Mary, when, when God uh, made his presence known to them, they trusted this is the kind of faith I think we're kind of called to today. Maybe not to this level. I, I don't think so. But I'll say this. When they learn that God's will is more important than their fear, this is the kind of faith that we're called to. This is the kind of, when we reflect on what God has done in the past, how he sustains his people through his presence, we're his people. He sustains us and he's saying, my will is more important than your fear. What are you afraid of today? 
What is facing you right now? And you just don't know if you can face it. You don't know if you can have that conversation. You, didn't, you don't know if you can go to that person. You don't know if, if you can take that step in the job. You don't know if you can, I don't know, fill in the blank. What has you frightened because you believe God might be leading you that way? Maybe it's to, as, as, as Joel shared with us and challenged us, how he did in three minutes what I can't do in 40. He sits there and he says, listen, God has called us to step into the world and to confront the world as the church. Let's confront the gates of hell. That is a frightening thing. God's will is more important than our fear. We think about Saul, who later became Paul, right? Saul, when when God made his presence known to to Saul on the road to Damascus, what happened? Well, I summed it up as as, uh, he learned to, uh, uh, well, no, I'm going to say that. I had it in my notes as he, he repented. But I'll say this. Look at this story. Acts 9. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. God is speaking to Ananias. He's saying, the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So I'm just saying, when God made his presence known to Paul, he repented. He did. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus Christ. His life changed at that moment. I'm sure he had a lot of questions. But he immediately repented of his sins. And he, and he through Ananias, through God's servant, he came to understand this truth, that he is a chosen vessel of God. I don't think I'm too far to say, so are you, and so am I. What did Paul do? Paul learned. He went forth at the calling of God and and conducted three different missionary journeys. He was involved in in, in appropriately correcting Peter and and trying to to go. Why? Because Paul was that chosen vessel. He was that one that God prepared for all those things that he did. And we know from Ephesians 2.10, that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We have things that God has prepared for us to do. And they're fearful things. But we're chosen. He learned that God has a purpose for every sinner saved by grace. His purpose was to go before kings and the people and the nation of Israel, the Gentiles. He, he He was called to go in front of all of them. And that same purpose that, that he is a, as a sinner saved by grace, we can say God has a purpose for us, folks. Are you in touch with what his purpose is for your life? Foremost, to glorify him in, in, in all that you are and all that you do. Secondly, is to reflect him to the world. Be that light of the gospel. When God made his presence known to Paul later in his life, he was strengthened. Let's look at this. It's just one little scene out of Paul's life. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. 
Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Paul was going through a hard time. And God chose in that particular moment not to send another person to encouragement. He didn't, he didn't send the actual Barnabas to him at that point. God came to him directly. We weren't there. We can't remember it, but we can reflect on it. Because in that moment, it was a dark moment. We know later on in other writings, Paul said, Listen, I, I've been shipwrecked. I've, I've had all kinds of fears. I've ministered to you people in fear and trembling. What got him through? Be a good cheer, Paul. I'm with you. He learned that God meets his disciples during their scariest moments. God is there for George and for Marilyn and for their family. God is there for the different prayer requests we shared this morning. God is is here and now for you. He will meet you right where you are. It's an opportunity for you to rejoice in your salvation or come to salvation. So God sustains his people through his presence. But I want us to understand as we get ready to close here, uh, Jesus sustains his church through his presence. Now, I've had so many verses going through my mind. I have, I have a note here, so I want you to just leave that up on the screen for a minute. I, I, was, I was all over the map with what I was going to preach, what different texts of Scripture I was going to bring forward this morning. But uh, we read out of Isaiah 43, and we found the words, I am with you. Consider Isaiah 41.10. I don't have it on a slide. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Some of you may have that on a plaque or, uh, or something in your house. These words have been used to encourage people for generations, but actually I, I, I look through, and I don't have them on the slide, but I look through, how many times did God promise his presence to people? How often did he say, I will be with you? And there's at least eight of them that are, are coming forth. Two in, in, in Isaiah, Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 41. A couple, one for Jacob, uh, going back, one for Isaac, one for Jacob, about five or six for I think it was for, uh, oh, or two for Isaiah, and then like four or five or six for Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Talk about going through the hard time. And God said to each one of these people, I am with you. Because God sustains his people through his presence, but Jesus sustains his church through his presence. Let's one more time rejoice in our great commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. This is, what, this is our purpose. This is one of the things we are called. We're called to make, a, to make a mature disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do as a church, as his church. But notice this. And lo, Jesus says, I am with you always. Twice in this past week, I had people say the word always and then backtrack. Oh, you're not supposed to use those words. And I agree, you're not supposed to use those words. Here, we can use the word. Jesus says, I am with you always. Then he clarifies, even to the end of the age. 
Jesus sustains his church. So as we conclude our time together, let's just uh, remind ourselves about the good news of Jesus Christ. Forty years of remembrance, which we'll have some fun later on after our meal, and, and we'll celebrate with uh, a slide, and we'll listen to Larry and laugh, I'm sure, um, at Larry. But what Larry is passionate about, what Joel challenged us with, let me present clearly for those of you that may not know. And those that do know, remember the morning when everything changed. An outline of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is my thing. Steve, Steve uh, Wilkins challenged me uh, a couple years ago. Uh, he challenged me and said, Greg, you need, to, you, know, you need to find some way of communicating the gospel. It needs to be your way. Joel had his way. Larry had his way. You need to have your way. Well, this is my way. Because we know the truths of the gospel. We know that God created man who fell into sin that led to death. And Christ came and he died on the cross. And all those who come to faith have life eternal. That's the outline and you can do it that fast. But take some time. I'm not going to go through the scripture verses. I'm going to say, listen, just meditate on God for a minute. We're not remembering all those stories in scripture. We reflect on them. What we remember is what God has done in our own life. And God will use those times in your life to introduce himself to others. And they will discover Jesus. They will discover the genuine God of Scripture for the first time. And you can tell them that God created man. And man was created perfect. There was, there was nothing wrong with man until they disobeyed God and fell into sin. In that sin, it leads to death. It does lead to death. But before we meditate on death, let's just meditate on sin for a minute. Scripture tells us very clearly that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word all, just like that word always, be careful of how you use them, but it is used rightly in Scripture. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one ever of any time other than Jesus Christ who ever lived a perfect life. Every single person who has ever lived other than Jesus Christ is a sinner. And that's why Jesus Christ is the answer to the consequence of death. This death is spiritual death. It's certainly physical death. All right, We have seen many people die, and I've seen many, many people die in my life. And, and maybe you have too, but death is a real thing. That physical death helps us understand there is a real thing of spiritual death. It's a separation from God. As our, as our dead friends, family uh, are, are, are distanced from us, they are at least six feet from us. We can't go to them. They can't come to us. There is this separation. There is a spiritual separation that exists between God and man when man is still dead in their trespasses and sins. They are separated from God. They need an answer, and that answer is Jesus Christ, the one and only Son who came and died on that cross. The perfect man, the God-man, who was holy and righteous and sinless and died on that cross, not for his sins, but for ours and for all mankind. And he died on that cross, a gruesome death. And he died. And he was buried for three days and then resurrected. He ascended into heaven and promises that he's coming again. And all those who have faith, that's you and me, 
And that's especially you if you've never come to faith in him. All those who have faith and all that precedes that word faith is given new life in Christ. You must be born again of the words of Jesus to a, to a religious person who thought he was doing all right. And Jesus said, no, you need me. And we invite you to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that you too can experience life eternal. May this truth get you through the hard times as it's gotten me through many of mine. And I'm holding on to it even now. God sustains his people through his presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us today. We praise you, Father, for your love, mercy, grace. We thank you for the holiness that you bestow on us when we become a child of God. We thank you that we can become righteous in your eyes because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's through his work and, and what he did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. It is through our faith in that that we receive this righteousness and we can stand before you confident that we are your children. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that has never asked for forgiveness of sins, of all of them, Lord, all at once, Lord, they just lay it at the cross of Jesus and say, Lord, you put all my sins on Jesus on that cross. And when he died, he paid the debt that I owed. Save me, Father. Redeem me. Give me new life. And may I serve you from this day forward, trusting and knowing that you will sustain me through your presence. Lord, we pray this for believers as well. May you be glorified in the heart response of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.